I mean, do you want to do a theme song? Can we do that? I think a theme song would be good. I I feel like if we if we have a theme song that is Blue Hawaii yeah. and we're called Blue Hawaii, yeah. I feel like our fair use defense goes completely out the window. Like in terms of our name. Does Graceland are Graceland's lawyers like scouring the internet looking for teeny upstart podcasts who soiled the king's legacy? I don't know, man. I've been have you ever been to Graceland? No. I've been to Graceland to the bathroom. Oh. Not the not the bathroom at Graceland. <laughs> I, sorry. The one, the, bathroom, the one he died on? Not, like not in his bathroom. Yeah. But I've been to the bathroom where the the buses park at Graceland. All right. Passing through Memphis. You know where I want to go? Where? Dollywood. Surprisingly popular white <laughs> trash destination. Those are my people. Uh I, I think those are the opposite of your people. Those are your people. Those are the antithesis of your people. <laughs> Pigeon Forge is quite the tourist destination. Uh, I know somebody who is a, an actor up there, and he performs in their musicals. And you want to kind of look down on a guy like that, but you know what? Like He's making a living doing what he loves. Chasing his dream. And we're talking into socks in a basement. Let's do the drop. Welcome to Blue Hawaii, baby. I'm trying to tell the world I'm nothing to be trifled with. Blue Hawaii. Staying hotter than some rifles. Yeah. I'm Josh Michaels. I'm Ryan Little. Oh, and we're glad to talk to you. So, Ryan, why did we decide to do this again? Uh, I'm trying to think about it. I think because we're narcissistic enough to believe that the world generally thinks that what we have to say is good, uh, even though I only have about 100 Twitter followers. That's Hashtag fair. follow me on Twitter. Hashtag like, retweet, share, subscribe. It all helps. Yeah. So you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, online, Blue Hawaii Podcast. Look for us. Add us as friends. Make contact. Get hacked by Russians. Yeah. We'd love to talk to you. What do you want to talk about first, Ryan? Uh, first, let's talk about the why. We we kind of alluded to it. Uh, why did we do this? And I think we could start at the beginning. And the beginning is there's a lot of people saying a lot of things. And we're not sure that any of them are the things that we'd want to say. And basically, Blue Hawaii is two guys, Josh and Ryan. I'm Ryan. I'm Josh. And what we're going to do is try to give you things from a different perspective. We're going to talk about things from a national scale. We're going to talk about things that are important to uh, the 70 million young people in the United States, but then we're going to give you an even differenter perspective. And uniqueer. More, a, a more uniqueer perspective, uh, which is going to be the... Those well, aren't words. They're not words. That's okay. We're going to give you the experience of young people living in Hawaii. Yep. Uh, for those of you who don't know us already, uh, which is probably very few people for episode one. Hi, Mom. Hey, Mom. Uh, What we are going to talk, who we are, is uh, we're two college-educated, law school-educated attorneys. Handsome. Living, practicing, uh, loving in Honolulu, Hawaii. Hawaii Hawaii-ne. But it won't uh, won't just be us. Hopefully, we'll have some of our friends on to talk to us about issues they care about. And maybe we'll hear from exciting people in the community, people doing big things. I'm sure we will. We've got a lot of them lined up. We're going to talk about things that are that are interesting, things that are relevant, things that people just aren't talking about enough here. Uh, Hawaii is the oldest state in the union, and we're some of the youngest people living here. 
and we think our voice matters. When you say oldest state of the union, what do you mean by that? The oldest state by average, or sorry, median age. Okay. We are the median age oldest state in the union. I believe... Uh, Ron Mizutani on KHON, shout out Ron. He talks about the silver tsunami every morning. It's the gray wave, man. <sighs> we are, uh, I think the state of Hawaii is uh, 30% plus over the age of 65. And, and they're that, the only ones who vote too. It, and it pre- presents uh, disproportionate representation issues where... Uh, young people whose lives are the most impacted by the things that go on here rarely have a say in what's going on. And so that's reason one. Reason two, uh, we know there's a lot of you on the mainland. There's a lot of people who are interested in what's going on in Hawaii. What's it like to live there? What is it like to work there? What's it like to just be an average everyday person? We know that uh, things can seem kind of mysterious and magical. And we say that because uh, at least one of us, and that's me, Ryan, uh, we're, I'm not from Hawaii originally. I'm from uh, the great state of Alabama, which you're going to hear about ad nauseum. Shout out to a shout out to a Tonga Wailoa, the only person on the Alabama football team worth pulling for. Everyone else can die in a fire, fiery car crash. Um, These views do not necessarily reflect. <laughs> <laughs> what what we're going I, what we want to talk about is we want to give you an idea. If you're you know if you're new, if you've never if you've never listened to Hawaii, Blue Hawaii, if you've never been to Hawaii, if you don't know, if you're just here for vacation, we want it to be something where you can listen in and hear, you know, a little bit about what life's actually like. Shout out tourists. Please spend money. Please spend money. It's a lot of our economy. Uh, we want you to be able to get an idea of what everyday life in Hawaii is like without necessarily having to live here. Uh, and also, please don't move here because you're making rent crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's talk about the end of the world. Let's talk about the end of the world. So, Saturday morning. Uh, you remember that story about during the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th? There was that radar operator who saw a couple of dots showing up on his screen that were actually Japanese planes, but yeah. he thought they were just friendly bombers passing through. Yep. And he didn't warn anybody. Uh-huh. So the opposite of that happened. <laughs> Why don't you take us through your Saturday morning? Oh, Ryan? my God. God. Uh, so Saturday morning, let's talk about it. Where was I at? Um, I was laying in bed doing my civic duty, uh, retweeting the political hacks who I think are going to help shape the world into a better place. Uh, when all of a sudden I get a text message and it says, uh, to the effect, something to the effect of incoming ballistic missile threat to Hawaii. This is not a drill. Seek immediate shelter. Uh, first thing I did was nearly shat in the bed. Uh, the second thing I did was immediately woke up my wife, Jordan. You'll hear me talk about her a lot. Uh, and we basically went insane. We had to get dressed. We, I was in like near full-on panic attack mode. My hands were shaking. Uh, I remember trying to put on shorts and like I was having trouble like doing the buttons. I had to calm myself down. Um, I sprinted into my living room. I have a uh, pannier bag. It's like a bag that clips onto the rack on my bike so I don't have to have it hoisted over my shoulder when I'm riding to work. And uh, I remember it has my laptop, it has an iPad, and it has you know miscellaneous glassware or whatever I'm taking my lunch in. And I remember literally opening it and shaking it out like there was treasure in it. Uh, and everything went flying all over the place. <laughs> and then we had basically time to decide what do we grab? And my wife made a really great judgment call. She grabbed a battery for our phones. She grabbed uh, my wallet. She grabbed our cell phones. 
and she grabbed a jar of peanut butter just in case. And our plan was actually to go to UH. We were going to go up to the university and try to shelter there because everything's concrete and probably built during the Cold War. So there's bound to be some fallout shelters. I have to ask, did you guys grab the dogs? No. Oh. Dogs were... Dog. We, we let... Uh, we let Kahlo, who's our Doberman, we let Kahlo out of his crate uh, and put him in our backyard. And we kind of just said our goodbyes. I mean, it were like, if he's going to, hopefully he survives the blast, but it, especially if he does, we don't want him to sit there and just languish in his crate during nuclear fallout. Um, we grabbed, so yeah, we, we grabbed all our stuff. We headed downstairs. We hopped on our bikes uh, thinking, you know, there's no sense in driving because the roads, if they're not jammed up now, whenever this thing hits, there's going to be cars all over the place. We need to be mobile. And we headed off to UH. And uh, we're like, we're, you know, risking red lights. We're swerving in and out of traffic. Um, all the while, just like freaking out. And uh, we're about halfway there. And I remember that UH is a very secure campus, having gone to grad school there. And uh, I'm like, there's no way we're going to get in anywhere. Everything's going to be locked. And so um, we're about halfway down Wiley, and uh, we see the Times uh, supermarket. And so it's... Shout out Times. Shout out Times. If you're looking to save money, go to Times. When it comes to, when it comes to savings, when it comes to savings, it's about Times. Shout also, they have the best uh, Kulolo on the island. Times, if you're looking to sponsor us... We'd love to have it. We're very enthusiastic. Yeah, and so I'm even more so now. So here's what happened. We're riding down Wiley. It's, I mean, it's it's basically like a movie scene right now. Like, I, I mean, I'm I'm basically I'm staving off a panic attack mm -hmm. and uh, trying to figure out, you know, what we're gonna do when this bomb hits. You've got 15 minutes, they say, from the time you get the text message to the time impact hits. We're at like minute 13. Uh, we're riding down Wiley. We decide to make, to go into times because it's half below grade. Um, it's made entirely of concrete and it's got food there. And at the same time, the strap for my pannier bag, it's wound up in my wheel. So my back tire locks up. So I run across traffic with my bike, like carrying my bike, strap it or, uh, lock it to a signpost and sprint their last 70 yards into times wearing just my shorts and my slippers and a tank top. And, uh, we make it into times and there's like, all these young people there who are like walking in at the same time. And we made it within 15 minutes. And we're like, oh, great, it's going to happen any minute now, but at least we're going to, we're putting ourselves in the best position to survive. And we walk in, and who's in there but uh, all the aunties doing their early Saturday morning shopping to beat the crowds, them and the Times personnel. And you know what neither of them have access to? Cell, Cell phones. phones. Oh, so my God. There's like, 10 millennials come running in, freaking out, trying to like check Twitter and figure out what they're going to do about the rest of their lives. And then these old ladies are in there just comparing like which imitation crab should they buy. And they're walking through the aisles, <laughs> pushing carts. The cashiers can't, you know, they're, they can't check their phones. They're, on, they're, you know, at work. And so there's, and they're scanning. We walk in, it, it was the most, it was the starkest contrast you can imagine as we run in in panic, believing that the nuclear holocaust is upon us, and these little old ladies are in there uh, just buying groceries and Metamucil. Life goes on. 
And I was very thankful for a moment that we got there. I got on Twitter. I see Tulsi Gabbard's tweet and where she says everything's a false alarm, which I didn't even believe at first because how do you get it that wrong? And then I see Brian Schatz confirming and I realized I hadn't heard the sirens and I didn't see any jets overhead, which I just for some reason imagine you would scramble jets if you thought there was a nuclear missile coming in. And then it slowly sunk in that, for lack of a better term, I'd been had. Yeah. Uh, and then I got very angry and I started rage tweeting and then my wife made me delete them. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was my Saturday. What about you? So my Saturday morning um, was a little more, a little less frantic and hectic. Why uh, was that? So just to set the scene, our uh, classmates and I, we were we were on the night for annual camping trip. Shout out Carity Clue, shout out Captain Coon. That's not racist, that's his actual name. Uh, and, you know, we were informed uh, as we landed on Friday uh, that our good buddy Denver had been watching the weather forecast. Everything looked good. This is going to be the one year, you know, no raining, no flash floods, no nothing. No drama. No drama. So party a little bit Friday night, looking forward to sleeping in Saturday morning. At about, you know, uh, whenever it was, 8 o'clock. 8.07. 8.07 a.m., Saturday morning, everybody's phones start blowing up um, with the weather alert siren. Like the beep, beep, beep. And, you know, beep, beep, beep. And you and guys were not thinking. No. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I wake up. Uh, I'm thinking, oh, Denver said the weather is going to be fine. Like, ah, crap, there's a flash flood or something, something, something. And all of a sudden... From the other room, I hear Alan say, uh, actually, it's a ballistic missile alert. So we every, I look at my phone. Everybody's looking at their phone. We're all sort of like in disbelief because this is very surreal. I think if we were still on Oahu, it would have been a completely different experience. We probably would have all processed it much more like you would have. Um, and, but, you know, at first I'm thinking, well, if a missile is coming in, they're not shooting at Lanai. No, being on Lanai <laughs> is probably like the best thing you can hope for. Yeah. Uh, so I tried to call my wife. For those of us who don't know about Lanai, uh, Lanai is the one of the more remote, I guess, so to speak, islands. I mean, uh, less densely populated. Less densely populated. Yeah. There we go. It's it's got small economy. There's a Four Seasons. Uh, it's the it's the island that Larry Ellison bought. Yeah. Our benevolent billionaire. Uh, capitalist overlords. Thank yeah. God. Uh, so called my wife, went to voicemail, which made me think she's still sleeping through the whole thing. Uh, at this point, I think just because of how surreal everything sounded, I was maybe like 50, 50% sure for chance that like either something has gone wrong and this message has gone out by mistake or it's going to miss us and land in the ocean or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like we'll all survive this somehow. So I figured I'm not going to leave her like this panicked, like screaming voicemail uh, in case that's like the last memory, you know, we have of each other. And then I found out later on uh, about five minutes after I called Antoinette, uh, my mother called Antoinette as Tony, there's a ballistic missile. Get inside now. So my plans for a soothing Saturday morning for my beloved, uh, we're out the window anyway. So I was texting with my mom. I said, you know, monitoring the situation. And like you, I started scrolling through Twitter and eventually I saw that Tulsi Gabbard, also known as Tulsi Gubbard, has had tweeted, you know, I'd confirmed with the, with the DOD, uh, not, you know, false alarm, no imminent threat to Hawaii. 
So I was, you know, I told everybody like, oh, I've, I, we found the tweet. There's no missile. And we thought, well, okay. Now what did we do? And what did you do? We went to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. I heard on, on, in Kahului, I think, uh, the Starbucks closed down. And then after the warning was announced a false alarm, they said, nope, nope, sorry, we're, we're staying closed. If like, you're ever going to have a reason just to, to have, like, off hours yeah. as a business, yeah. believing that you're about to get hit by a bomb, hit by a nuclear bomb yeah. is the reason. Yeah. And even though, like, even though I was 90% sure that, you know, by the time, especially after seeing Tulsi's tweet, like, I was 90% sure, like, this is all going to be fine. There's no, there's no issue. That 10% will still mess you up, man. It, I, I was very irritable the rest of the day. I was very, like, I mean, I don't want to say I lashed out, but there was a bit of, I just, the littlest thing, like, uh, you know, the gas pumps are taking too long, and yeah. I'm like, "No, oh, what is this? The the world hate me." I mean, I was like, "I wish I were. I wish we were all dead." How <laughs> all of us? But then at the same time, you get this weird sense of, like, a weird sense of survivor's guilt, even though everybody survived. Yeah. But you get survivor's guilt yeah. where, where you're no, like, like, if I, where if you're I, like, I don't have a reason to be mad. Yeah. Because no matter what happens. I still didn't get nuked by yeah. North Korea. Or if like we were stuck on the Nutty and everybody we know and love on Oahu was vaporized, then what do we do? You don't come home? I guess not. No. No. <sighs> I what there's nothing to do. I mean you just I don't know. I don't think there's a playbook for that. <sighs> and unfortunately that is a risk that we take. Living in Hawaii. Yeah. And unfortunately, we kind of have a target on our backs where, I mean, we're the closest thing to everybody. So, like, what do you do? We're like the, we're like the layup yeah. of nuclear warhead locations to hit, I guess. I mean, it's still, you know. We're like a mid-range a, jumper. There is a little more. I mean, they do call it rocket science for yeah, a reason. Yeah, it's true. I guess South Korea is the layup. Oh, God. Yeah. We're, we're like a... I mean, we're still 5,000 miles away from North Korea. So I guess we're like, we're not a three-pointer. Half court. Yeah. No, I, no, I think we're closer than half court. I think we're just inside the three-point line. The, do you watch the the big three, the the big three, the three-on-three league that was on FS1, uh, Ice Cube's league? No, is it good? Yeah. Well, so there's a spot, like, they're not quite, but somewhere between the three and the half court line. I can't really describe it on the radio. Um, basically... There's a four-point shot if you shoot from the circle, like each corner of each half court um, on the far side yeah. has one, and that's the that's a four-point shot. So maybe that's what we are. Maybe we're the four-point shot. Okay, I can yeah. see that. I mean, but then what's like the what's a full court? Full court comes all the way around and lands on Pyongyang. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so uh, it was. It's been a. It's been an eventful week in Hawaii. Uh, yeah. Wednesday the 17th marked the 125th anniversary of the overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom and the deposition of Queen Liliuokalani. Um, brief story, well, you know, for those of you who don't is know. It, is it deposition? De Deposing? Deposing? 
Yeah. Wait. Oh. But then that's yeah. Is it? Uh. I just said that because it. I guess my brain made that word. I don't know. Well, anyway, the overthrow. The overthrow of the, the legal overthrow. The illegal overthrow of the, the sovereign corporatist yes. overthrow of the sovereign kingdom of Hawaii. For those of you who don't know, uh, the queen was forced to abdicate at gunpoint by a band of wealthy white sugarcane oligarchs who were descended from the missionaries that came to Hawaii. And they were backed by the United States Navy. So it's a, a very painful story. Um, and we'd really like to have you know native Hawaiians on to talk about it so it's not just two Howley guys blabbing. But, but like while we need a Howley perspective for a moment, because yeah. you know, white guys and stuff, let's just compare... Imagine, imagine, because uh, Josh and I are not Hawaiian. Uh, I am like Scotch Irish. I'm a Scotch Irish mutt, and Josh, you're Irish Jew. Irish Jew, and so our ancestral homelands. Well, the British. They're they're not great. I guess no. is what I'm getting at. I mean, it's not like Scotland and Ireland are just like these. Uh, are, are overflowing with uh, people desiring to move there. But then you compare that to Hawaii, which is just literal heaven on earth, like an absolute paradise where everything that you need, you get to survive. You have perfect weather. You have just unmolested land. You have views and experiences and a lifestyle that is unmatched anywhere on this entire earth. These white guys come in, the, the United States government comes in and takes it over in the name of corporatist interests. To this day, there has never been a major revolt. There's never been, everything's been uh, handled with the utmost integrity and dignity by the Hawaiian people. With the queen as an example. With the queen is an incredible sterling example of nonviolent resistance and defiance, and hopefully one day this this land's sovereignty will be restored to it, and they'll allow me to stay. But compare so, that with think, a guy. <laughs> compare that with Cliven Bundy, a guy who wanted the shittiest land in all of what Nevada, so that he could graze his cattle for free, so that he could graze his worthless cattle, not just for free. On on the United States taxpayer's dime. On the taxpayer's dime. Yeah. We say, no, please pay rent. He says, Go I'm going to hole up yeah. in a snowy cabin. Point and gun, point and sniper rifles. Shooting at, at, federal, law, yeah, at federal agents. agents. And somehow, there's like, I, I guess, shooting guns... Federal agents building an active revolt, an insurgency, creating, doing seditious acts against the government in power, and he's celebrated yeah. by so many people. White privilege is a hell of a drug. White privilege is a hell of that sounds. White privilege sounds like the most expensive cocaine you could get. Speaking of white privilege, were you listening to Hawaii Public Radio the other morning? No. Where are you going with this? Well, uh, they did a feature, and I actually saw this on the web article. I didn't, I didn't hear this live because I would have preferred to hear it in the original German. But they did an interview uh, with a young man who claims himself to be the leader of Proud Boys Hawaii. 
What's that? Now, for those of you who don't know about Proud Boys, um, I'll read the HBR description itself, which I think was based on the uh, interview. The Proud Boys is an international organization which co-founded by Gavin McInnes, one of the co-founders of Vice, weirdly enough, so every time you watch Vice, think about that, of right-wing men who sport many of the trappings of the alt-right, but claim to differentiate themselves by saying that they are anti-racist, among other things. Don't Port- they all say don't that? Don't they all say I'm not racist, but... White people are just the best. Yeah. Which is... I'm not racist, but I just happen to think some countries are shitholes. So more about the, uh, according to an online map, there are two Proud Boy chapters in Hawaii, one on Oahu and one on Maui. They are known for sporting Fred Perry polo shirts and fashy style haircuts. The Oahu chapter is led by, we shouldn't say his name. No, we shouldn't say it. Uh, A Nazi. A stupid Nazi. A young, aspiring neo-Nazi. A young, aspiring, stupid neo-Nazi who has no idea the values that diversity brings to a life. And is just... Uh, has spent way too much time on Reddit and 4chan and not enough time with a freaking history book. That's exactly A right. journalism major and political science minor. And as a political... I majored in... Politi- I minored in political science. I UH. minored in it as and well. And there... Everybody in there just wants to show off their opinions. So this doesn't really surprise me at all. If... You know, think about this. Fascism... We're going to get to the the merits of how like just ridiculous Proud Boys are in yeah. general. Look, we're going to... We'll describe exactly that. I mean, we could yeah. start... Just with the name, yeah. which is the dumbest name I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounds like a show on Toon Disney. Yeah. But let's not even end They there. gang up together and, and solve crimes. and With their beautiful whiteness. Their... And why does fascism get a pass? Uh, one of the favorite thought experiments of the conservative right, uh, having grown up in a very conservative right-leaning area, is which countries has socialism ever worked out for? And they list a number of countries, whoever's having slightly tough economic times, uh, they'll say, oh, they were socialists. They'll say, you know, the USSR was socialist. They'll say that uh, Hitler was a socialist. It has, Uh, national socialism has socialism right in the name. They never take, they never allow you to use basically all of Scandinavia yeah. As a uh, check mark, Bernie would have won. Favor, Bernie would have won. <laughs> Bernie would have won. <laughs> they never allow Bernie you won. to use Scandinavia as a check mark. Uh, they don't even listen to hybridized socialist yeah. countries. You know what? Actually, I think is by the way they like just relentlessly went after Barack Obama for being a secret Muslim socialist. I think they took all of the like. Yeah, that word, you know, because of the Cold War, because of our American history, has a powerful effect in our politics. I think they took a lot of the sting out of that word. 100%. Because now everybody who hears that knows that socialism means whatever the right wing wants it to mean. It's a dog whistle for politically unpopular and conservative culture. It it means, like, basically anybody who thinks the government should do anything for its citizens or play any positive role in its citizens' lives is a red, 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 red socialist. Well... So pivoting off of that, uh, which I completely agree with, let's talk about fascism. Yeah. When did fascism ever work? Who was ever like this government, this paragon of efficiency and prosperity, this beautiful fascist republic? Wait, where are all the Jews? Yeah. <laughs> and anybody seen Mr. Brown lately? Where's the handicapped people? <laughs> there's there's never been an example of fascism working and i don't think that 
that the the so-called alt-right, which is basically just a neo-Nazi front. Cosplay. It never gets called to the carpet for that. No. There's never been an example of a fascist well, government there working. Are ve- there are very fine people on both sides. What is, what's most infuriating is that the argument is, well, we've never had a fascist republic done just the right way. And people that's, make that. I've never heard that argument. Oh, absolutely. It's if we were just more fascist. And it's it's a derivative of the argument that I saw growing up in Alabama, which is, oh, I know that our conservative policies have essentially bankrupted our state and deleted our prosperity yeah. and created massive income and wealth uh, disparities among social classes and races and whatnot. The problem is we're all that would go away if we were just more conservative. Right. We just we weren't conservative enough. Far be it from me to point out that we're actually like the most conservative states. Uh, so, sorry, we are the most conservative state of the most conservative states, and that our economy, education system, social services, roads, bridges, uh, anything having to do with the public good is in disrepair. Well, the wealth will trickle down eventually. The wealth will trickle down, so they say. Yeah. And so the argument goes, you need to be more conservative mm-hmm. and more conservatism will fix it. And, and it makes sense why this has sort of metastasized into the alt-right and neo-Nazi movements because what you're doing is you're creating an ideology that demands ideological purity. And if something's wrong, you can't indict the ideology. You can't analyze the ideology you can only demand mm-hmm. more and greater purity now speaking of ideology i'd like to read to you the four-step process for becoming initiated into the proud boys please i'd love to join if you're out there proud boys uh i don't agree with you on just about anything but i am one of the master race so i'd love to hop in of us one of us <laughs> Initiation to the first degree in Proud Boys involves simply declaring Wait, that you are... there's multiple degrees? There are four degrees. You could be a fourth degree Proud Boy? Yes. You can only be a third degree Black Belt, but you can be a fourth degree Proud Boy. You know what? Actually, I, uh, I take back everything I just said. I'm in. I'm all in. Both feet, I'm jumping. <laughs> in- involves simply declaring that you are a Western chauvinist which I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I think that means taking credit for the achievements of people who lived six or 700 years ago. Ryan, are you a Western chauvinist? If you're asking, do I think that women belong in the home? No comment. Advancing to the second degree involves choosing five other Proud Boys to hit you as much and as hard as they can until you name five breakfast cereals. So this is just... Wait, so you could conceivably do first and second degree, like, day one. Yeah. You don't have to be... No, no, no. Like, this is all doable. Like, if you have a pretty... If you... Strong... If you believe in yourself. Yeah. If you, you, like, caffeinate, you get your mind right, you really put your heart and soul into this. You can get this... You can knock this thing out in three hours. I can five breakfast cereals if you lit me on fire. Yeah. Five five breakfast cereals, go. Uh, Lucky Charms, Cheerios... Fruity Pebbles, Count Chocula, Booberry. That was under five seconds. Very good. You, is that how? How's that? How long I have? You you un, you have as long as it takes to say those words, while you are being uh, beaten. While you're being beaten by the other Proud Boys. You couldn't even. I mean, can I dodge? It doesn't say. I'm assuming dodging is Western chauvinism. So yes. <laughs> Nothing's more dodgy than chauvinism. 
At the third degree, you are allowed. You're allowed. Oh, what a privilege. A proud boy's tattoo. And agree to treat all proud boys as brothers. So you don't treat them as brothers uh, while they're beating the shit out of you trying to name some cereal. Then you're just a dumbass. Then you're just a dumbass who has taken this whole internet culture thing way too far. But if you, in a third degree, once you get the tattoo, then you're our dumbass. Yeah. The fourth degree requires the recruit to get into a physical fight with an anti-fascist activist at a public rally. An anti-fascist activist. Which is... which. Antifa? Antifa. Is that how you say it? Yeah. I've Ant- never been sure. No. Uh, Antifa? Is it Antifa? Antifa? Antifa. Uh, for all the listeners out there, if you could send us a uh, phonetic pronunciation of anti-fascists, uh, shortened term. Or better yet, take a video of yourself saying Antifa in the most hilarious way you can think of. And tag Blue Hawaii and on Twitter. Tag, yes. Please or on Facebook. That. So anyway, so those four steps, do you think you can make it? Could you be a proud boy? I don't have any tattoos. Uh, well, if one of us is going to infiltrate, it's going to have to be you. Why is that? Uh, I'm a little too Semitic, I think, for their tastes. I could say I'm Greek or Italian or something, but... I don't know if that's part of the master race. You know, sometimes when I look in the mirror in the morning, I feel like a Nazi propaganda poster of a Jew. And I, I... feel like that would be a giveaway. No. Well, they don't... Do they say anything? You don't... You can be a Jewish fascist, right? I mean, I know. Yeah, they, but for for how long? They, <laughs> for how long? Eventually, they'll get around to you. You know what I mean? They haven't. They haven't played well in the past, admittedly. Oh. But I mean, like you could say what you want about like Bibi Netanyahu's government. There are plenty of Jewish fascists around. There are tons of there. Are a lot of those guys are fascists. Oh, yeah. That's, that's another debate for another time. That's next episode. Next episode. Next episode. The answer to the Jewish question. Yeah, we'll figure that's, it all out. That phrase. That this never ends well. <laughs> Should we do some shout-outs? I think some shout-outs are in order. Shout-out to Ryan. As no, I know as much as this pains you to say. I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it? I do want to talk about okay. it, but I don't want to talk about well, it. I Al- wish a giant meteor. Alabama gave us Doug Jones. Thank God. Hawaii gave them Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Fair trade. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick's blood oath with the devil continues. I... <sighs> we... There's not really words. Okay, uh, listeners, I went to Auburn, proud Auburn alum, war damn eagle. There's not a lot of ways to describe how you feel when your two biggest rivals are playing in the national championship game. You root for the stadium to collapse. I rooted for the giant meteor. Uh, I I don't know what else I could have done. I watched all the Auburn games. I, I drank enough beer to where I was hoping that my... Uh, liver would explode and kill you buzz state would help somehow our quarterback play an atrocious offensive line play and i don't mean to make this all about auburn but it's football related so sorry um yeah so georgia throttled auburn in the sec championship then they i wouldn't say they, they didn't throttle oklahoma it was really a thrilling game uh, was it double overtime mm-hmm. and they shut baker mayfield 50 up, something 40 something the heisman trophy winner uh, following in the footsteps of a young man named Johnny Manziel, soon future NFL washout. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, who's going to take a gamble on Baker Mayfield? That's a that's a big question. Uh, this off season, I'm sure. Well, but, what's his What's his wonder look look like? I don't know. Yeah, I, I assume he's smart. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully somebody's given him better life advice than Johnny got. Johnny, I don't know what happened with that guy. 
he he really liked the white privilege if you get my drift snow white privilege so uh that's uh allegedly allegedly allegedly, allegedly. liked yes the snow white privilege um and then you get bama who just waffle stomps clemson mm-hmm. uh and then goes and plays georgia and is down mm-hmm. and again i'm in a tough spot here because Georgia and Auburn are the it's the deep south's oldest rivalry. Uh, it is a it's our cross divisional rival that we play every year. Um, we play them right before Alabama every year. It's always a big game. Uh, it's often decided um, seeding potential for going to the SEC championship. Um, Bama is it's like I don't want to say Israel Palestine, but it's the Alabama version of at least like the the parliament that you always see where they're like throwing chairs and fighting with each other so uh, somewhere in Asia. Liverpool's most famous ever manager, Bill Shankly, once said that uh, some people think football is a matter of life and death. Unfortunately, it's much more important than that. <laughs> That's, I mean, everything that you've heard about about it is true. It's There's nothing that's been overplayed. It's It's truly you have to pick a side when you're born. Uh, you, if you switch, there you have a bit of a scarlet letter on you, not a crimson or orange letter, I might add. A, a scarlet letter uh, on you of being not a pure blood. Um, and you kind of just have to keep it for better or worse. And it's very consequential. The whole point I was trying to make is watching those two teams, Bama goes down 20 to 7. And I'm like, it's over. Nick Saban, he's going to lose two national championships in a row. The magic's finally gone. Guy can't call a play to save his life or can't get a play called for him to save his life. And then. And then. Who emerges from the locker room? The Samoan savior. A young man born in humble roots of Polynesia. St. Louis high school grad. As much as it pains me to say, I'm, I am happy to see a fellow ILH success story. I'm not actually sure. I've been here a long time, and I still don't know what ILH, the difference is between ILH and the other league. Isn't there another one? OIA. OIA. What's the difference? Uh, ILH is private. OIA is public. Oh. Do they ever play each other? hmm For the championship? hmm The state tournament. So, like, you start the, like, in the beginning of the year, you have, like, preseason and, like, opening matches that are all mixed. And mm-hmm. then, like, your regular season is just within your league. And then the state tournament is top teams from all the leagues come together. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's actually kind of fun. It is. Uh, yeah. So Tua comes in. Everybody's like, the heck is Saban thinking? Putting in a true freshman who's had like four games of experience in mop-up duty. Shoot your shot, baby. And this dude comes in. And, and wins the national championship. Wins the national freaking championship. And Hawaii exploded. Oh, yeah. I mean. Rightly so. For those of you who are not in Hawaii, you can't understand how tight-knit this island is uh, of Oahu. So it would have been huge if Tua was from any other island, but because he's from Oahu, it's the most populous island. People know him more. He had a chance to get more exposure. Um, he's on a bigger stage, I feel like. Yeah. And, and shout-out, um, I crap, I can't remember his name right now, Milton, the uh, UCF quarterback. 
Oh yeah, the only undefeated uh, Mackenzie Milton. Mackenzie Milton, yeah, the yeah, only I... the only undefeated Division One A uh, quarterback. He's from Milani. Milani. Yeah. yeah, kid was a stud. Yeah. He crushed Auburn in the bowl game. Just salt in the wound. Oh. Uh, so so I guess like Tua played amazing. Yeah. I mean, he made some freshman mistakes, but he was in the national championship against the best defense in the country. Like you're gonna make mistakes as an 18 year old child. Um, the real question is what happens to Jalen Hurts? The classiest, classiest, classiest act, though. Classy, humble. Yeah. Uh, guy's a good quarterback. I don't know if he fits the system that Game they have manager. him in. Yeah, I mean, in Alabama, they have a mold. You know, they don't they don't want to beat you with their quarterback. They want to beat you with their running back. Who was it? I was just reading this article like that, and they said. Um, the first Alabama quarterback that Saban won a national championship with is now a dentist. Oh, maybe it was the first LSU quarterback. It was, yeah, one of his LSU quarterbacks is now a dentist. Matt Mock? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like th- the that's... 2003 national championship. Nicely done. With, uh, I'm trying to remember, Justin Vincent was on that team. Marcus Spears was on that team. Ali Broussard was on that team. I think Joseph Adai was also on that team, had a long and illustrious career with the Indianapolis Colts. I have a feeling we don't need to fact check this. I think he knows. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Saban has a he has an MO. He wants a guy who can hand it off an inordinate amount of times per game. And then when the time comes, throw a pass to the tight end to convert a key first down. And then he runs the same play on the goal line every single year where you fake the handoff to the running back bootleg to the right your running back or tight end releases into the flat and you throw it for the touchdown and they run it and they somehow uh, crush auburn's dreams with it a couple times every decade speaking of crushed dreams please according to the new york times uh, if you thought your holidays were rough the city of moscow only got six minutes six minutes of sunlight for the entire month of december uh, we have a quote. Roman Vilfond, the director of Russia's weather service, said, when they hear about this, many people say, it is clear now why I was depressed. And I think that about sums it up. I I do not blame them. No. Russia's a tough place to begin with. And then, I got seasonal affective depression in Atlanta. Good Lord. I can't imagine no. what it would be like. Wait, I can handle cold. Mm-hmm. I could handle wet. I can't handle cold and wet together. Yeah. And I feel like when you add dark into the mix, you're just asking for sadness. Mm-hmm. I Like Hawaii is, everybody's happy here because there's always sun. You can always go outside and just get some vitamin D, some endorphins. It's the best. There is one bit of sad news, though. What's that? Ryan's Grill. After. Not, um, not my personal Not Ryan's grill. personal grill. No. But the uh, beloved... Ward establishment, restaurant, bar, grill, place to be seen and see others is closing. No! No! It's my mom's favorite restaurant. Shout out, Carolyn. Is it really? It's it's up there. I think, yeah, she, yeah, it probably is. When's it closing? Saturday. Is she going to go? No. What? I don't think so. It's her favorite restaurant. Okay, well, it's not like her favorite restaurant, but it's like, oh, it's up there. I say, dude, if I wish, if I was here... Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening at home, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. Uh, today is Thursday, January 18. Uh, Where are you going? I'm going to Washington to go snowboarding. 
Where do people in Hawaii go on vacation? There's your answer. Uh, no. They go the, to Vegas. The, the answer is Vegas. Yeah. The answer is unequivocally Las Vegas. You look like you had something to say. No, I was thinking this is a, another story for another time. Uh, my, the, one of the PR guys I worked with at my last job, he was at Vegas during the shooting. Oh my or he's god! In, he was so. I yeah. I don't have there's not I don't have enough like I don't remember enough of the story to make it interesting enough for to talk about it on the radio, but like I mean some real shit went down. I was kind of shook up. I was actually in Vegas about a week before that happened, staying on the same floor that he was shooting from, at the Mandalay Bay. I knew there was an inside man. It was. <laughs> it was yeah that was a weird feeling. Um, Vegas is a weird place, and Hawaii loves it, loves it more than anything. Uh, I feel like as we're losing Ryan's, are you worried at all about Honolulu losing some piece of itself as we continue to move toward like artisanal restaurants and like chef driven food concepts? Because our food scene is, it's, it's a bit of an arms race right now where it seems like places are opening up every day that are new and awesome and kind of expensive. I'm I'm mostly worrying about the fact that we keep building ten million dollar condos and people who have lived here for ten plus generations are on the street. That is an incredibly important thing to talk about. And I think I think we have probably a lot more to say about that. Yeah. At, how about next episode? Let's do it. Yeah, we should talk about that. Um all right so wait but before <laughs> before we before we wrap up though. Yeah. Uh, Ryan's is closing, but for those of you who are listening on the mainland, uh, I want this to be somewhat relevant to you. So like, give me one pro tip as a person who's lived in Hawaii their entire life. Give me one pro tip for someone visiting from the mainland. All right. I'll say this because our office is going here tomorrow for, uh, Pauhana. Pauhana means? Pauhana means literally, uh, done with work. Pau means done. Hana means work. Uh, and that's what we call our happy hour slash general hang drinking out. slash hanging out. It's it's the best. It's like it's I didn't really understand Pahana uh, until I moved here. Uh, it's like happy hour if happy hour was truly happy. Happy. Yeah. 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 It's like it's like happy hours. So I would definitely recommend Nico's at Pier 38. Good fish. Good beer. Good view of the harbor. Good vibes. Good people. Yeah. Nothing to complain about. What would you give them? Give me a pro tip on being a visitor, not necessarily a tourist. Yeah. You're not coming in and, you know, maybe, maybe getting on a double decker bus and riding around. Yeah. You're not staying in Waikiki at like the, you know, Sheraton or whatever. You're just here as a visitor and you want to know something from a, from a local, somebody who wants to live the real experience. The real experience? Who wants to have like a real authentic experience here? Like not necessarily food related, just yeah. like anything to help them acclimate. I have a couple. Okay. Why don't you why don't you hit me? Get a good pair of slippers. Yeah. Don't wear tennis shoes all over the place. Literally, like no one wears tennis shoes here unless you have a foot condition. Don't wear socks and sandals. Easy one. Yeah. Uh what's another one? Don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Just tr- it's not hard. Yeah. What do you mean when you say that? Like, just like be nice. Just be nice. Yeah. Like, basically, like when when you find when you go back to the mainland, 
Like, do you catch yourself smiling at strangers and people looking at you like you're a weird pervert? Uh, well, to be fair, we do that a lot in the South anyways. And bad, that's not even a – I'm not even lashing out at Roy Moore there on the pervert joke. I'm just saying, like, in Alabama, you smile a lot of people. You okay. smile and wave. Well, then, like, there's something to that. Yeah. The Southern hospitality is yeah. – it's a thing. It's not the real – it's probably not as real as it used to be, but it's a thing. Um, okay, so you said Nico's Pier 38. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly agree. It's very good. Pretty reasonably priced. Ahi Belly. Ahi Belly is solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend if you're gonna if you're coming here and you want to know a place to go. Uh, obviously, the Yelp can be a little bit uh, overwhelming because there's a million different places to try. My favorite restaurant in this city, one that I've gone to innumerable times, is on. South King? Yeah. South King Street. Yeah. Uh, just east of university. Just east or of university. Or in local, in local parlance, just Diamond Head of university. There we go. That's a good pro tip. Yeah. Understand how to navigate. Diamond Head, east, Eva, west, Malka to the mountain, Makai to the ocean. If you learn that. That's it. And don't wear tennis shoes with high socks and shorts. Like, you're golden. You're, you're going to get along pretty well with people yeah. here. Uh so my favorite restaurant in the city is Dagon. It's a Burmese restaurant. They serve uh, they serve really authentic Burmese food with a menu that was created by a chef who actually opened that restaurant while washing dishes at another. He uh, his name is Sai. He's an incredibly friendly guy. He still sometimes works at his own place, uh, but again, Burmese food uh, is very unique. Um, Burma is close to China, it's close to Thailand, and it's close to India. And so really depending on uh, the dish that you're getting, there's a much heavier influence from one of those places. So anything from something resembling Pad Thai all the way to, say, a uh, heavy curry to even, you know, um, highly... uh, East Asian influenced recipes with lots of like, spicy beef, spicy Szechuan pepper. style. Yeah. yeah, Szechuan style. So, anyways, uh, if you're listening, I highly recommend it. My favorite thing on the menu there is the Dagon tea leaf salad. It's a spicy salad uh, made with made from scratch with uh, fermented tea leaves, and I would put it up against any salad in the world. So, those fighting words, I'd fight for it. You think you got a better salad? Get in touch. At Blue Hawaii Pod. Let us know. Let us know. Let, like, look, if you've got a better salad, I'm going to yeah. eat it. And it's probably not. I'll just tell you now. But and I'll let you know that. I'll at least give it a, a fair shot. And it doesn't even have to be salad. Get in touch. Let us know what you think. You want to be on the show? We'll, ha- we'll talk to anybody. Yeah. We're friendly. If you're interesting, contact us. Yes. If you're not interesting. Keep listening. Yeah. Just, You'll get interesting. You know what? Just keep listening. Uh, get some good talking points from us, a couple of things, learn what's going on in the world, and you know, maybe, maybe one day your day will come. There's only one way to find out. Stay tuned. Aloha. Aloha. Oh, and Noe Tanagawa, if you're listening, shout out to you for keeping a straight face during that interview. You the real MVP. You the white.